Happy 420. 420! Welcome to Stone Cold Murder. We are your hosts, Kai and B. Thanks for tuning in for Season 1, Episode 5. Just a PSA, if you are listening and have any information that you would like to share to help solve a crime, please go to www.crimestoppers.com. I'd like to introduce our guest today, Cam. Cam, thank you so much for being on the pod today. How are you? I'm doing good, you guys. I'm excited. We're excited to have you on here. Yes. You guys do anything fun today? Um, I mean, we've been laughing for hours, and that was pretty fun. (laughs) We have been stoned for quite a while. We've been waiting quite a while to record this episode, so we're pretty uh, snappy at this point, I would say. I'm honestly... touching the joints. <laughs> um, I towed the joint. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not it. I don't know, but I know you guys with so feet much. problems are grossed out by that. So <laughs> it's like totally touched. Touched. It. You yeah. can't see this, but Matt's gagging. <laughs> Gay. Me too. Amazing. How do you um, feel about feet? About feet? I don't mind feet. No? No. Me either. Feet are like, whatever. Would you pay yeah. money to see feet, though? No, I think I'd want to, like, get money. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you can find my feet pics, guys. <laughs> link. We'll leave the link yeah. below. We'll plug the link later. <laughs> okay, now I have to do it. <laughs> right. I mean, here's you your just, platform. Yes, just use the same name you. from your... Vintage shop. Also oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, that's a good idea. Yeah, you could. That's a great segue into yeah. Cam is the curator of Cam de la Creme. Yes. And a good friend of ours here on the pod. It's pretty yeah. sweet. This is yeah. actually the first time that I see Kylie in a good, good chunk of time. I want to say, like. No. Dude, what, a couple of years? Yeah, I've been seen, stuck seen in... Since she moved. Since she moved? Yeah, I'm glad <laughs> you're back. I'm glad to be back, I'm sorry too. it's taking so long, but I'm glad to see you, my friend. I'm glad to see you, and I'm glad you're here. Anytime I hang out with Matt, we always... Like, any of our group, we just, like, always remember all the crazy fun times that we had. Oh, like, my God. Core <laughs> memories at this point. Core memories. Ding. That's awesome. Core memories. We love it. What is your favorite way to consume cannabis? I definitely... Okay, so I actually just recently bought a bong. A bong? Yeah. Like your first bong? Yeah, it was a ceramic bong that I could reuse, or not reuse, but like... It's pretty much like a vase, but my friend drove a little hole in it. Oh, cool. So it's supposed to be a bong, but I think that's my favorite way. Yeah. It's, um... I like the water. Yeah, the sound. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's like a ritual too. Like once you do it, and like. It's beautiful. It's green. Like what color green? It's like so he um put it in like an oven and did a bunch of stuff to it. So it Ooh. looks really like splatters of paint, Ooh. but it's not really paint. It's just a bunch of little things that he put on there. And once you put it in the oven, it like cooks into that color. Cool. cool. So they like really handmade cool. it. That's cool. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, it was really. But it was worth it because it's yeah. it's art. Yeah, honestly. Awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. I love my bong. I had a good bong for a long time, <laughs> but broke it. Really? Was it yeah. that long one? 
Yeah, I've broken quite a few bongs <laughs> with the friend group. <laughs> but, yeah. That's yeah. habit. It How does. many bongs do you think you've broken? How many bongs have I broken? Probably 10. That's but cool. not all me, you know? There you go. And not That's all just me. the amount that you've owned. I'm thinking that's more. <laughs> you think more? Oh my god. You think You've had a more lot of them. And it's not because of you again. Yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, we had like. Tons of households. 12 breakfasts by itself at one point. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. the breakfasts. The breakfast club was the best. We had this club called the breakfast club. <laughs> and remember. it was because. Was my it? bong was named breakfast. And I bought everybody in a bong that like. Somewhat matched mine, and we it was the same bong, just yeah. different colors. Yeah. Oh, so there was no breakfast involved. No, it was Bread just bongs. They were all called breakfast, <laughs> and we called the breakfast club. I thought it was like some wake and bake type. No, it, came it was. Sometimes. It, I mean, we yeah, we did, did do that actually. But no toast, no cheesy eggs. <laughs> Sometimes Mike would make yeah, those cheesy eggs. Yeah, for sure, totally. actually. But that wasn't like on the table. table or anything. Good time. But no, we had one time where we had all. It was legit probably 12 or 14 of them, all loaded in a circle and going, and you just kept passing around. There was no stopping. And there was no stopping. <laughs> it, it was awful. Like, we had people throwing up so much weed. <laughs> yeah. Like, it so we happened. did it in a garage, and the entire garage was just filled Jeez. with smoke. You could barely breathe. Like, it was, it was intense. Yeah. yeah. It was great. Good times. Good times. That was a Halloween party, I think. Mm-hmm. Right? The famous. Yeah. The famous Halloween party. <laughs> How could I forget? <laughs> so you, do you want to tell us a little bit what, uh, about what you do at Creme de la Creme? Creme de la Creme? Creme de la Creme. Yeah, Creme de la Creme. It's so up in the air. Um, but yeah, I guess the, the handle is Creme de la Creme, but the logo says Creme de la Creme, so I, I think it's like both. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just repurpose clothes and... Sell it to people. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I pick a bunch of stuff that I think I would wear, but I just don't have enough stuff, like, enough storage for it, really. Yeah. A lot of it started with, like, my own clothes, and I was like, I need to just get rid of this stuff. And you're refreshing and renewing. Yeah. That's great. And I know that other people would love it, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, you have a great fun. style, too. Yeah. It's, it's a great way to have unique items and not be dressed, like. Yeah, I think it's fun. Yeah. It's cool. Nice. And I like the quality of it more than anything and the story that you can, like, attach to it. It's yeah. cool and weird. Yeah. Like, you find some crazy stuff out there, too. You're like, who was wearing this? In what point in time? Who dared? Yeah, who pulled this <laughs> off? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did you? I don't know. I respect like, okay. it. Yeah. Uh, for real. Seriously. That's awesome. But it's yeah. fun. Sometimes you have some crazy finds and... Sometimes I don't find anything. Yeah. Just one way or another. Are you high? Absolutely. Great. <laughs> All right, now that you're high and we've introduced you, let's get into the case. Are you ready for this? Okay. This is one that Matt requested, so you can thank him for this wow, later. Matt. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know I live alone. I'm just... Not just for you, I'm sorry, but anyone listening, I, <laughs> oh I just apologize God, for what's... You know I don't even watch scary movies, right? Yeah, you know I don't either, so... Matt doesn't either. All right. You ready? Uh, We got the case of Elizabeth Short. 
are better known as the Black Dahlia. Have you ever heard anything about the Black Dahlia mm, case? I don't think so. No? No. I like that because it's going to be fresh and new. <laughs> All right. Our case starts out on January 15th, 1947, Los Angeles, California. Betty Beerslinger and her child were taking a walk around their neighborhood. Betty saw something in the weeds, and it was shaped like a human body, but it was so pale white she thought it was maybe a storm mannequin. As they got close to the body, she realized it was in fact not a mannequin, and it was a body of a young woman. It was an absolutely gruesome scene, and the woman's body was cut in half at her waist. Her body was methodically posed with her arms raised above her shoulders, and her legs spread and twisted in a very unnatural position. This kind of posing is often done to further humiliate the victim when mm. someone does it like this. It's kind of like a, a, like a stab at their character when they do something like that. Uh, her face looked severely deformed and a large Glasgow smile was carved in her face. And Wait, a glass... Yeah. Like cut? Mm-hmm. It's cut from the corners of the mouth all the way up to the ears. Ooh. So kind of like a Joker smile, but like Jeez. very much more intense. There were cuts and abrasions across her body, and her intestines were removed. Her ovaries were intact and showed no signs of pregnancy, and she had large chunks of skin removed in various places. Investigators believed that she had been tied down and tortured for several days because it was found that she had rope marks on her waist, ankles, and her neck. The autopsy revealed multiple lacerations to the face, head, and along with her mouth being slashed from ear to ear, um, and there was no sperm pre present on the body, and it had appeared that the killer had washed the body completely clean. Mm. Uh, yeah. There were multiple cuts in a crisscross pattern over her pubic area, and the pubic hair had been ripped and removed by hand. What the yeah, heck? Like very severe. And this very person. just like... Like, they didn't leave any part of her untouched, is what it sounds yeah. like. Like, they just, yeah. Like, just what the heck? Oof. Most of the damage had seemed to be done um, post-mortem, so after she had died, um, mm -hmm. including the severing at the waves. So what we can hope is at least she wasn't, like, super tortured in that way, but yeah. still it seems like she did have some torturing going on before she did pass, unfortunately. Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay. Like... Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. This is going to be the worst of it after I describe this. And then we can get sad. into Sad. It's very sad. Yeah. And just to, like, leave a body like that and just... Just be so, so disrespectful of them. Yeah. I mean, of course, it, you're already absolutely disrespecting them by killing them. Right. But just, like... To go further. To go further than... Yeah. But no it just dignity. takes takes a person that yeah. is very not okay. Yeah. Very. Something hopefully we'll never understand. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. Um, surprisingly enough, there was no blood at the crime scene at all. No blood on the body, and there was no blood on the grass beneath where she was laying. Investigators determined that she had been murdered somewhere else because of this, and drained of her blood, and then cleaned before yeah. the killer dumped her body in the vacant lot. Her official cause of death was hemorrhaging and shock due to concussion of the brain and laceration of the face. So she probably got hit in the head and yeah. also just uh That's probably where bleeding. the stuff was going on with her yeah. 
LA Police Department sought out to find the victim's identity immediately. They knew they had their work cut out for them and asked the FBI to help them almost immediately. Uh, Los Angeles Police Department managed to pull fingerprints off the victim with the help of the FBI, and they were ab able to identify her by her fingerprints. It took only 56 wow. minutes to identify her after they got her fingerprints. In 1947? Yeah. Is yeah. that what you said? Yeah. Wow. Isn't that crazy? It was fast. I'm impressed. Me too. Uh, this was because she had appeared twice in their system. Mm. One for a commissary clerk job that she applied for in 1943. And the second time was for an underage drinking charge that she had. Ooh. She had been arrested for that. The I'm young... still very surprised. I know. These, That's uh, what I think, This, too. like, information on people. Because a lot of times you don't hear that. No. Where they're like, no, no, no. Yeah. No, no. We had nothing. We couldn't really do anything, you know, mm -hmm. but... The young woman was identified as 22-year-old Elizabeth Short, who was nicknamed the Black Dahlia. They actually uh, started off calling this the werewolf murder because of how brutally she was killed, um, but quickly became known as the Black Dahlia murder after that. Yeah. I've seen... Why uh, did some... they call her that? I'm about to tell you oh, okay. now. <laughs> um, I've seen some sources say that the press gave her the name, and other places say that she received the nickname from regulars at a restaurant she worked at. But either way, it was said that the nickname Black Dahlia was a play on a title of a movie at the time, which was called The Blue Dahlia. And because she had black hair that stood out starkly against her pale skin, and she also normally was dressed head to toe in black. Ooh. Same girl. <laughs> I'm always head to toe in black. Her name is very, like, gothic and dramatic, and I love it. Like, I would totally love to be named the Black Dahlia. Yeah. Like, I'd be like, yes, give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm about it. I hope she was. I don't know if she was about the nickname at all. Uh, this case blew up, and everybody seemed to be completely consumed with the Black Dahlia case. Now, the media really painted Elizabeth in a bad light, saying she was a sex worker, a sex fiend. She was a lesbian who, like, tried to seduce men for money, and that's why she was killed. Basically doing the most and everything they can to, like, further tarnish her name after yeah, she had seriously. died. And make it seem like she lived in a way that, like, made her more susceptible to being killed or, like, mistreated. Like, mm. it was, like, better, you know? It's terrible. <laughs> And honestly, to, like, kind of further dramatize the story, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Media loves that. And not surprising at all, it was just like a lot of widely publicized cases. There were a lot of people who ended up coming out of the woodworks claiming that they knew, like, what happened to Elizabeth. Or straight up, like, trying to confess <laughs> to the crime itself. Oh, wow. I get the obsession with doing that. That's so crazy to me. And it happens, yeah. like, every time there's, like, every a crazy... Time. Like a huge one, yeah. Like, oh, I did it, or I know information. Like, I get the ones that are, like, offering money or something like that. I get why that would but intrigue you, but still... To say you're the killer, though? Like, yeah. You want to go to jail for that? Yeah, it's weird. I'll never get it. It's probably good we don't get it. I don't yeah, know. honestly. The Los Angeles Police Department estimates that over 500 fame seekers have confessed to the horrific what? murder. A lot of fucking people. <laughs> wow. Dang. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Leslie Dillon was a bellhop and a mortician's assistant who knew a surprising amount of details about the case when the cops brought him in for questioning. Many law enforcement agents were convinced that he was at least an accomplice, but they were never. There was never enough evidence to ever officially charge this guy. Wow! Did they have any sort of like fingerprint or anything on her? No, because she was just like completely clean. So they didn't find any hairs or body fluid mm-hmm. or fingerprints or anything. It's really yeah. Do they even mm-hmm. not have cameras? No, I guess not. They could yeah, find. I don't think that was common with security cameras yet. I think that came. And this was like early later. in the morning. You said it was like what time? I don't know what time it was, but it was earlier in the yeah. morning when they found her. Oh yeah, they my don't gosh, really. That's so crazy. They don't really say like what time the crime happened to her. Just that she was found that morning by the mother and son on their was a son right on their walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. That's really sad. I know. I Yeah, I hate to think that people could just, like, be dumped, you know, and not care about Yeah. There's like, just so geez. many cases. The more I research, the more I'm just like, ah, oh, there's so much of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's so absolutely. insane to me. But it's know. crazy they didn't have the evidence to charge the guy who was had so much information yeah yeah he must have got it somewhere else i wonder information like what? <clears throat> i mean you have to have like uh beyond reasonable doubt mm-hmm. kind of proof you know yeah. Yeah. Do that. i don't think they could say just because you know all this information is enough or I mean, he unless was an it's assistant of yeah. the mortician too no? yeah he was unless it's stuff that's like they specifically left out of the case you know because sometimes True. they can find killers. So they still that haven't found the... They haven't. Mm-hmm. On January 24th, 1947, the LAPD received a mysterious package with letters that were, like, cut out from the newspaper. So, like, oh very movie-style. Yeah. It's, like, exactly what you think a ransom letter would be sent to the mm-hmm. cop. It said, Here are Dahlia's belongings. Letter to follow. The box contained Elizabeth's address book, her birth certificate, business cards, photographs, and names written on a piece of paper, and all of the contents of the envelope had been cleaned with gasoline. How do you clean a business card with gasoline? I don't know how you even figured that out. Or a birth certificate. Maybe it's just like a quick wipe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. This is a weird thing. It's a weird... It's a weird... Yeah. Did you wipe the counters down with gasoline? (laughs) (laughs) Did you mop the the garage floor with gasoline? (laughs) And the fumes? Anyways, sorry. Yeah, that would be awful. (laughs) I always got a weird comment about that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, I feel that. I feel that. Yeah, because you would think it would deteriorate with being wiped down with gasoline. That's just like a strong chemical... It could have been. Yeah, it could have been. It doesn't say how they were found. You said they were in there. Uh, Police contacted approximately 75 men from the address book, but the majority of the men claimed to only have known Elizabeth briefly. Hmm. Because of how precise the cuts were on the body, 
Authorities suspected someone in the medical field could have been the killer. Police served a warrant to the USC Medical School, which was located close to where she was found. But after several interviews and background checks, nothing came up. Another letter arrived, and the suspect promised to turn himself in in the letter, but he never did. Mm. FBI criminal profile. But I mean, they had 500 people set the. I know. So like, like, where do you even start? With I that? know. How do you like really know that you didn't miss the one? And I have seen so many cases where they've talked to the killer multiple times and had no idea it was the killer. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that could potentially could happen been, too, yeah. you know what I mean? FBI criminal profiler and author John Douglas believed the killer must have known Elizabeth well and had some emotional attachment to her. The horrific violence inflicted upon the body and leaving the body on a public display would indicate that the killer wanted the world to see her mm-hmm. and the wrong group doings that he believed she had done to him. Douglas described the killer as a white male in his late 20s or older with a high school education. He lives alone, works with his hands, and is comfortable with knives and blood, possibly a butcher or a slaughterhouse worker. Oh, wow. And that was just like his opinion on that. Yeah, I'm like, how do you know they're white? I think a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of the serial killers are white. I Not mean, all like, of them, like, but like. How do you know? Could be area too that that's in. And yeah. back in the day, a lot of investigators assumed that the um, race of the person that you killed was the same that race that you were. Like they didn't, they assumed that you didn't really go outside of your race. Yeah. Like also, how do they know they were twenty eight? Probably, like Matt said, like, they're in their prime. Like, a lot of people couldn't really do this if you were, like, a certain age or... They'd have to have more confidence than someone who's, like, a teenager or a young adult. You know what I mean? And then an older person wouldn't have the strength to and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Or the endurance, maybe. Or probably the wisdom not to. Right. They kind of probably just take a lot of, like, psychological factors Mm -hmm. of why... That would make the most sense. Yeah. Doesn't mean that it, they know for sure, but they're probably like, pretty good we're guess. 80% sure. Okay, okay, there's like a probability. And they're pretty yeah, good at it too. Like, I don't know, the FBI profilers are actually like incredible with that. Like, I don't know how they see, just pull stuff. See, I don't stuff know. I don't like time. watch a lot of this stuff. Or, I used to watch a lot of CSI, like, back. Okay. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, was it CSI or SVU? Oh, yeah. And that gave me a lot of weird... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I stopped watching it. This is when I was, like, 14. Yeah, I get that. (laughs) Totally get it. If that makes sense, okay. I'm just thinking of, like, the 50s, too. I'm like, what did you guys have? I don't really know. Just a lot of clues. This is L.A., too, so they might have better technology than other places Mm -hmm. back then, too. Yeah. All right, so the only person that ever actually was arrested in the case was Red Manley, a 26-year-old married salesman. He was put under intense investigation. On January 9th, 1947, Elizabeth Short returned to her home in Los Angeles after a brief trip to San Diego with Robert Red Manley. She and Red had been dating. Manley stated that he had dropped Short off at the Baltimore Hotel in downtown Los Angeles and that she was to meet her older sister, who was visiting from Boston that afternoon. 
The next time anyone reported seeing her was six days later, and she was brutally murdered. Manley passed every lie detector test and was eventually cleared of all suspicion. Some people have actually tried to link the Black Dahlia murder to the Cleveland Torso murders, which is um, a bunch of murders that took place between 1934 and 1938. Um, They tried to connect these because of some of the similarities in the victims and the deaths and disposals of the victims. So there were 13 victims in total. All the bodies had been decapitated while still alive. Most victims were cut in half at the torsos and drained of their blood. The male victims were castrated and others were cleaned with chemical solvents. The killer was never caught in that case. Another connection they tried to make was to the murder of Jane French. This was in Los Angeles on February 10th, 1947, one month after Elizabeth was found dead. A badly beaten female body was found with the message, Fuck you, BD, written on the stomach in red lipstick. Mm. I mean, it's believed that it said BD and that it stood for Black Dahlia, but I've seen in other places when I was researching that, it could be PD, mm. uh, but nobody's like actually sure if it was PD or BD. But a lot of people think it stands for Fuck You, Black Dahlia. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Wow. Yeah. She had been stomped and beaten so violently that she suffered massive internal bleeding, a broken neck, and a punctured heart. Oh, which is, I don't. I, punctured heart. I just like can't even fathom that one from. Like, yeah. stabbed? No, stomped with a foot. Oh my god. Yeah, it's apt. I looks like I can't even wrap my head around it. It hurts my head to think about. Yeah, terrible. Uh, the victim was quickly identified as 44-year-old Jean French. Not surprisingly, French horrific death made front page news and was quickly dubbed the Lipstick Murder. Oh, wait, this is a whole new one. Yeah, this is one that they tried to connect they them. They thought too. maybe that her murder yeah. was maybe Related. someone who killed oh. Black Dahlia also. So, French horrific death made front-page news and was quickly dubbed the Lipstick Murder. A headline from the Herald Express read, Werewolf strikes again, kills L.A. woman, writes BD on body. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. French's death was instantly tied to Black Dahlia case, but they didn't find the killer in that case either, and they couldn't really, like, for sure connect the case. So. Another, um... Another one? Yeah, another one that they connected to the Black Dahlia case or maybe thought could be the killer was Dr. George Hodell. He was looked into as a possible suspect, He ran an L.A. clinic in the late 1940s. Hodel was a very successful doctor and was living in one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in Los Angeles. But he also had a wild side and was well known for his surrealist art scene and was also well known in the SM party scene as well. Like what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly what we were talking about earlier. (laughs) But... In 1949, Tomar Hodel publicly accused her father of sexually abusing her, saying that he had forced himself on her and made her read erotica 
to, quote, make me a sexual goddess. Uh. Hodel was widely known for his over-the-top, highly sexual parties and was charged with uh, incestuous sexual abuse against her. Two witnesses testified against George Hodel and told the jury that they had seen him force himself upon his daughter. The prosecution had a third witness, but she recanted her story and refused to take the stand. Hodel's defense team learned or leaned in on the smear campaign against his daughter, of course, to win the case, and claiming that she was an intention-sinking liar among a bunch of other horrible accusations that they tried to pin on her. And the jury believed it. And the charges against Hodel were dismissed. What? Which is horrible. And Hodel's son, who happens to be a former cop, believes wholeheartedly that his father was responsible for not only the Black Dahlia case, but the lipstick murder as well. In his book, Black Dahlia, Avenger, The True Story, Steve Hodel claims his father's handwriting matches some of the strange letters the police received, and that was supposedly written by the killer. He also came across some photos of women who resembled Elizabeth Short and his father's belongings and convinced his dad's uh, medical background would explain why everything was so precise and why they thought it may be a doctor. Wow. Oh, my God. Several witnesses even told the police that they had seen George Hodel and Elizabeth together. They had even uh, they had enough evidence to bug Hodel's room in 1950, and apparently on one of the tapes from hours of the recordings, the police caught Hodel saying, "Supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia, they can't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. They thought there was something fishy. Anyways, now they may have figured it out. Killed her. Maybe I did my secretary. What? <laughs> that was kind of." Chompy and weird, but George Hodel died in 1999 and was never charged with the murder. And as far as that goes, they have never really connected anything else or anybody else to the murder. What do you think? I think George Hodel has a pretty good... Yeah, that sounds really plausible. I've heard a lot of people say that, too. I don't know. I think he could be a really good one for the case. What do you guys think? I think I'm freaking the fuck out. <laughs> You're freaking the fuck out? Oh no. This just makes me think of like how so many people just have so much like trash in their minds. Yeah. That makes them feel like they have to do this or they like doing it or they get pleasure from doing yeah. it. Yeah. Just makes me really sad for them. Yeah. It makes it's... you wonder what got them to that point. Was it something yeah. they started thinking about? Then they started just more well, and more, like, what were they entertaining? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like, how do you go from having this thought to, like, doing it? All right, we have just a little bit before we go. We're just going to tell you about Elizabeth, mm-hmm. who she was as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want to, like, not just make the whole thing about the murder. Like, they had an identity yeah, before that, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So who was Elizabeth? She was a native of Boston, she was born July 29, 1924, in the Hyde Park section of Boston, Massachusetts. Elizabeth went by the nicknames of Betty, Bet, and Beth. 
She had light blue eyes and brown hair, and friends described her as beautiful, lively, and friendly. In 1927, the Short family briefly relocated to Portland, Maine, before settling in Medford, a suburb of Boston, that same year. Short's father built miniature golf courses until he lost most of his savings in 1929 in the stock market crash. In 1930, his car was found abandoned on the Charleston Bridge, and it was assumed that he had jumped in the Charles River. Whoa. Short's mother began working as a bookkeeper to support the family, assuming her husband had taken his life. She loved movies and going to the theater. And when she got older, she aspired to be an actress. Elizabeth underwent lung surgery at the age of 15, after which doctors suggested she periodically relocate to a milder climate to prevent further respiratory problems from asthma and bronchitis. When Elizabeth was 16, she dropped out of high school and was sent to Jacksonville, Florida to spend the winter in the warmer state. In late 1942, Elizabeth's mother received a letter of apology from her presumed deceased husband, which revealed that he was in fact alive and had started a new life in California. What? Yeah. What? (laughs) I know that all of this seems long, but that was, like, such an important piece to add that. Like, what? there's some crazy stuff this yeah. poor girl went through. Dang. In December, at the age of 18, Elizabeth relocated to Valio, California, to live with her father, who had, she hadn't seen since she was six. At the time, she was working at the nearby Mare Island Naval Shipyard on San Francisco Bay. Arguments between Elizabeth and her father led to her moving out in January of 1943. So we're getting closer to that Mm -hmm. timeline. She took a job at the base exchange at Camp Cook, now Vanderburg Space Force Base, near Lompoc, briefly living with a U.S. Army Air Force sergeant who reportedly abused her. She left in 1943 and moved to Santa Barbara, where she was arrested on September 23, 1943, for drinking at a local bar while underage. The juvenile authorities sent her back to Massachusetts, but she returned instead to Florida, making only occasional visits to her family near Boston. While in Florida, Short met Major Matthew Michael Gordon Jr., a decorated Army Air Force officer of the 2nd Air Commando Group. Short later told friends that Gordon had written to propose marriage while he was recovering from injuries from a plane crash in India. She accepted his offer, but Gordon died in his second crash on August 10th of 1945, less than a week before the end of the war. Wow. A second plane crash? So that's That's what I'm saying. This girl went went through it. Yeah, jeez. I'm stuck on, he went two plane crashes? Whatever is that? In July of 1946, Short relocated to Los Angeles to visit Army Air Force Lieutenant Joseph Gordon Thickling, an acquaintance from Florida, who was stationed on the Naval Reserve Air Base in Long Beach. Short spent the last six months of her life in Southern California, mostly in the Los Angeles area. Shortly before her death, she had been working as a waitress and rented a room behind the Florentine Gardens nightclub on Hollywood Boulevard. 
She has been variously described and depicted as an aspiring or would-be actress. According to some sources, she did in fact have aspirations to be a film star, though she had no known acting jobs or credits. So right. that that was the short life of Elizabeth Short, aka uh, Black Dahlia. Yeah. What are you guys' final thoughts on this? It's a gruesome case. It was a long one. Lots <sighs> unfold. Yeah. I feel like she went through so, so much. much. Yeah. yeah. In her life, in the whole short. like attack and after death, like yes, and then poor thing just. Kept going for those guys in the military, and it just did not work out for her. Not at all. Poor thing. Yeah. Really sad. Thank you again so much for being with us today, Cam. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Cam. Of course. Thank having you here. Yeah. Educating me on this case. Of course. It's good to it's good to hear stuff like this every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. Give yourself a little... It's good to keep that stuff at the forefront of our mind too. Like some of these cases that are unsolved, like yeah, I mean they've proven in the last few years that some cases have been solved because mm-hmm. of true crime listeners and oh, podcasts. Oh, yeah. really? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it makes people aware, and they you know they're keeping their eye out, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Wow. And even we did a case um, with. Queen Reefer mm-hmm. on episode two we did the boy in the box and he was a a little boy that had been undiscovered or he was a John Doe mm. and he was buried as a child and Oof. he was unidentified for 40 years wow. and the day before we did our podcast they had identified him what? so we were able to just like actually like no and it was because of like an ancestry yeah. thing wow. like, like one of those websites or something yeah. Yeah. and I actually learned on the ancestry thing that a lot of people think that cops can just use your DNA if you use the ancestry thing but you actually have to opt in or out of it so, a lot of the times, some of these cases, they can't actually compare all the DNA to because these people didn't, like, authorize Yeah, them. they're just, they're not just so, randomly selected. It's not as easy as what yeah. I guess it's yeah. presumed to be. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Yep. All right. Very, very awesome. interesting. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. We really appreciate it. Yeah. It's been good. All right. Until next time. Stay high. Stay safe. And thanks for listening.